Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And today we are going to be talking about angels and demons. It's going to be pretty awesome. Ooh, are yeah, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. So, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? I have, yes. All right. For, for all of the folks, give us a rundown. You know, I think I wrote a paper on this in college now that I think about it. It's basically like you – it's a little bit like you don't have an accurate picture of yourself. And mm-hmm. you feel – whatever setting you walk into, you feel like you're not qualified to be there. You don't have the skills to be there. Uh, you're not, like, deserving to be there. And so whatever setting you walk into, you're like, I shouldn't be the one to do this. Yes. That's, like, the short summary. Yeah. Have you ever felt that before? Absolutely. 100%. I feel that all the time. We've talked before how we're kind of self-critical people. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of plays into it. Like, like who am I to be doing this? Or yeah. what skills do I have to be qualified for this spot? You know, all those kind of things. Yeah. The first time I heard that term, I, it, it was a very, like, uh, re- revelatory moment for me. Because it was, like, someone describing something that I had felt. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, a uh, like... I think two years ago at GLS, like the Go- the Global Leadership Summit, that's something that all of our staff uh, attends every year. And there was a speaker there that that talked about it, and it was the first time I heard it, and I was like, "Yes!" Like someone gets me. Like it gave it gave a term and a and a definition to something that I had felt uh, for a really long time, and I never really. I never felt like that until I came on staff and started moving into a leadership role at the church. And I, and I would just walk around feeling that way, like, man, who am I to be doing, to be doing this work? Yeah. And so, no, I think, um, yeah, that, that's kind of my experience with it. Mm-hmm. Yours? Yeah. yeah, no, similar. I, you know, we've talked about how I didn't grow up in church. And Same. so to be a pastor, period, it's like. Like out of all the people y'all could have picked, like <laughs> yeah. we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I don't, I don't know about this. Um, and you know, you you kind of think at the beginning of like a season of your life like that, like oh, I'll grow out of it. But if you really have imposter syndrome, then you never really do. It just kind of changes how it looks, you know. No, I've, and so for me, like what I do is like I just have to remember I'm not even who I say I am. Right. I am who God says I am. Yep. So even that that inner critic. That I think was another word that that the author used. I wish I could remember her name or the book. I'll figure it out. And we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But she kept talking about how how she had to act in spite in spite of the inner critic. And I was like, that's another word that another phrase that I'd never heard before that accurately described. Because I get that you get that inner voice that says, no, like you're not good enough for this. Like mm-hmm. you don't. You're you're the last person on earth. They or like you just said, they must be really scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel if they're going to give you this role and opportunity. Yeah. And so what I've what I've learned to do is be like, you know what? It's not. It doesn't matter who, what other people say about me. Like at the end of the day, and it doesn't even matter what I say about myself. Yeah. It's about who God says I am. So that's kind of where. Yes, that's where I go. I think it's a great strategy. Yeah. Man. Scariest thing you've ever done, and why did you do it? Oh, man. Um, I, I'm not very adrenaline junkie, risk kind of person, so this answer is probably going to be lame. But one time I did a ropes course that was <laughs> super high up in the air, 
and I did it because somebody challenged me, and that's 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 the way to get me to do anything that I don't want to do, admittedly. So I I did it because somebody challenged me and said, "I bet you won't do this," and I was like, "Well." The gauntlet has been thrown, challenge accepted. And I hated every minute of it, but I did it. I got to the end, so. No, mine, I feel like we should have compared answers first because mine, whenever I read that, I was like, what am I going to say? We did a team building exercise out at Sandy River mm -hmm. and it was it's a ropes course. I did not want to do it. <laughs> I just suggested to the to the team that I was that I'm leading hey we need to do a team building exercise something that gets us out of like the everyday thing and let's go do something fun and everybody said let's go to this ropes course inside I screamed like <laughs> not like a very terrified scream I, I'm not going to let them know that mm -hmm. now they know that if they're going to watch this so we get out there and I'm like okay I'll just take this one at a time like I'll do the I'll do the low level course first right and then I'll and I'll slowly move up I didn't move past the low-level course, but I did that one, and I was really proud of myself. But I got up to the top of it, and it's one of those where you're you're just kind of holding two wires here, and then you're walking on this cable. Mm -mm. Dude, my legs were shaking. Like, my whole body was shaking. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm up here. But I've got my kids down there watching and everybody around me. So I'm like, God, just, just don't <laughs> let me fall. <laughs> and, yeah, so – Peer pressure was a little bit of it yeah. <laughs> that made that made me want to do it, and then just an opportunity for the group of people that I was with to go out and, and do something different. Yeah, there, there's been several teams that I've been on since I started working here, where the leader of the team is like, "Let's go do a team building activity. We'll do maybe we'll do like a ropes course." And on the inside, I'm like, "Please no, <laughs> please no." But on the outside, I'm like. Yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Let's It'll get be it. great. Yeah. But I love I love the ones where you just like ride the zip line. Like yes. that's fun. I'll zip line all day. No. Zip lining's awesome. Yes, but the ones where you're like walking on like little bitty logs that are suspended like fifty feet up in the air. Nope. No. Or like the uh like a little platform that it will spin or something. I'm like, oh no. Mm mm. Nope. Yeah. Nope. That's where I draw the line. No, I get to the I get to the one where I'm at a tree, like where you know, like all the platforms are like are like built onto a tree. Mm -hmm. Like I get to that tree, like I clip to it and then I just like hold it for a moment. <laughs> just like okay. <sighs> and then I need like a three minute decompression <laughs> and then I'll and then I'll move on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had the opportunity to be immortal, would you take it? And this is kind of a trick question almost. It's a a good little question. Bit. It's a good question. <clears throat> so I'm a pros and cons kind of guy. I think <clears throat> the pros of being immortal, the big one that pops into my head is I I think it would be fascinating to be able to walk <clears throat> through kind of the different arcs of time and be able to look back and see the entire picture um, and see it kind of unfold, knowing yes. you'd be there for the entire thing, however long that might be. So that's a pro. That would be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. The big con I can think of is watching everyone I know and love die while I continue to live. That would yes. be terrible. Also, the other huge con is that I would like to go to heaven one day, and I can't do that unless I die. So, yeah. um, so I'm going to have to go with no, but I do think it's an interesting question. Well, I think, I mean, and, and you see it, like, especially in movies, like, uh, like Interview with a Vampire. Mm-hmm. With uh, the Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise one, yep. like from back in the day, like the one I forgot which one it is. I don't remember. I think it's Brad Pitt, like, or maybe it was a Tom Cruise one. One of them, like they're just lonely because mm -hmm. they've experienced all of those things. Like everybody that they know, 
has passed on and so that's why he keeps creating little pals right like to stick with him and then he finds one that he likes and then he tries to manipulate him into staying with him forever mm-hmm. but i'm kind of with you like i like the idea of it just because i will i i want to see how everything shakes out like i'm just a naturally curious fellow so i would want to see are we ever going to go to the moon or like go back to the moon one way are we ever going to colonize mars like i don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime but i'm pretty sure if we keep going yeah like we will and i would like to see stuff like that right so maybe <laughs> like would probably be <laughs> the answer but i also think it's kind of a trick because in like there's a part of us that is immortal mm. like our souls are yeah so like i felt like that was a little bit of a that's good yeah and like yoda says like luminous beings we are not this crude <laughs> matter which i think applies here what is a myth you've heard about angels or demons uh, the the whole angel on one shoulder, demons or devil on the other shoulder. I you know, I'm like no, that doesn't really hold up for me. Like, <laughs> I not to make it a, not to Jesus juke anybody or make it a super spiritual answer, but like our our earthly nature, our default setting is not angelic or godly or anything to that effect so to say oh it's one on one shoulder or one on the other no yeah. if anything it's like the the demon standing on both shoulders and you have to make the conscious decision to you know seek the angel mm-hmm. and reject the the demon well so, and that's where like the like lord paul talks about like the war like you're battling with your flesh right like you struggle with your flesh because mm-hmm. that, that is like my, my default's not a great one yes like yeah. any good that i happen to have in me <laughs> is a reflection of of um like god being in me right so but yeah like you said like not to like to not churchify it too much i think the one that the the one myth that and it's kind of like you like with the angel on one side and the and the demon on the other like that's a classic looney tunes trope mm-hmm. like well, that's where i first saw that like bugs bunny or daffy duck would have one on either shoulder like telling them either to do good or do bad the other one would be like i think i mentioned before where you know a cartoon character would die and then they ascend if they a good one like they ascend to heaven with a little harp and some wings <laughs> and they're going to go chill on a cloud right like so my and then if someone happens to die and they're not a very good looney tune character like they become like a little like a little demonic little ghouly type thing yeah so i believed that forever like that very much informed <laughs> like my idea of how how angels and demons worked like as a kid and then it's just one of those things that just internalizes in you and you just kind of believe that that's kind of how it works right <clears throat> do you think you've ever encountered a spiritual attack um I think so. Uh, I think it would. I think it would depend on how you define spiritual attack, which I, you know, we're gonna get into a little mm-hmm. bit later. But I've definitely encountered things that felt like it was a test for my for my spirituality, for my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now where the source of that is, where that comes from, is you know a whole a whole thing we could unpack. But um, I definitely have had moments where I felt like this thing I'm facing is a test of my faith and my spirituality and how am I going to respond? Am I going to lean into that or am I going to lean into the, like the source that the attack is coming from? Yeah. So, so how, whenever you felt like, like what were, what were some of the things you were feeling Mm -hmm. like during that? Like, is Um, it mostly like an emotional kind of thing where you're just feeling some sort of way for an extended period of time? Yeah. I think, I think it is. I think when I think back on it, like most of the time it's an emotional thing. It's like, 
maybe maybe a good example is like I know I should act this way towards a certain certain person. Yes. But my my fleshly desire is I really would like to not. Yes. <laughs> You're like, which one am I gonna lean into? Because I know what the right thing is. Um, but I know kind of the way I'm leading because of my own nature is not the right one. So what am I going to stand on, basically? Yes. Like, where am I going to land at the end of the day? I, I would answer yes to this as well. And a lot of those, a lot, I've experienced a lot of the same things that, that you felt. Like, any time where I feel like that internal struggle, where I my default setting wants to respond one way, but then there's this, then there's this pull that I believe is the Holy Spirit nudging me in a better way. Um, but there was a season... I mentioned it here before where I went through like a really prolonged season of just depression and anxiety and looking back on it. Now, not all depression and anxiety is a demonic thing. Mm -hmm. Like, but like looking back on it now, like the solution that I found to it was a, was a both one. I needed medicine like to get, to get through that time. And so if that's you, it's okay if, if if someone's ever said like you know you shouldn't take medicine because it means that your faith isn't strong. I don't bu- I don't buy into that. I medicine's good. Yeah. <laughs> like and I needed it during mm-hmm. that time, but I do think that there was a spiritual component as well that that started that started to like uh, where the effects of it started to dissipate as I got in more of a right relation with God. And that was just a lot of the feelings and, and like feelings of failure and stuff that I had whenever like I went through flesh eating disease and all of that. Like I felt like, you know, my whole life was off course and, you know, I wasn't doing like I wasn't who I was supposed to be and all of these things. And so it I, I really believe that that was in part a spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, medicine and and getting right with God were yeah. like the two things that helped with that. What was your perspective on angels and demons before you came to faith? I already kind of answered mine with the Looney Tunes yeah. um, stuff. No, I think it's I think it's similar for me. Um, I don't know that I ever imagined angels as like, uh, like physical creatures, winged creatures that flew around or something. I think for me, it was almost two sides of the same coin. The angels were like the good spirits, mm-hmm. and the demons were like the bad spirits. Um, now, in terms of what they looked like or where they came from or any of that, I didn't go into that much detail when I, when I thought about them, I guess. Um, so has it changed? Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, we'll get into, uh, what, like what we can discover and what the Bible has to say about it as we go. So, all right. So we're going to look at, uh, Ellis is going to tackle the angel side of things for us. I'm going to tackle the demons side of things we're going to look at what some what uh scripture says on on all of this and then we're going to talk about some kind of what to do mm-hmm. with with all of this at the end so kick us off with uh some stuff on angels yeah so uh similar to when we did our two-part episode on david uh before we really get into the conversation of what do we find in here um i think it's useful to talk about mm-hmm. how do we like as a culture view angels and uh how they kind of portrayed so i think a good place to start is in art depictions of angels and paintings started appearing as early as the 1800s there were they were talked about in literature mm-hmm. prior to that but when like fully fledged paintings and depictions of angels started popping up early 1800s so i have three right here that we can probably put on the screen um the first one is jacob wrestling with the angel 
Um, this one is by Gustave Doré in 1855. Um, and then the next one is Christus E. Gethsemane by a Danish artist named Carl Heinrich Bloch in 1873. Um, obviously, that's Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> and then um, the last one is The Angel of the Revelation by English poet and painter William Blake, created between 1803 and 1805. Um, no exact dates with that one. And so you can see, like, um, across the three, kind of the the human form with mm-hmm. wings, uh, you know, in in, su- in a couple of them, like, kind of the glow around yeah. them. Um, you know, obviously the, the white robes are kind of a common thing. So that kind of uh, typical depiction of an angel and kind of mental picture uh kind of dates back to to this and so that image kind of evolved as time went and has con- it's continued to be part of uh art today now obviously there's uh also pop culture where we see all different depictions as well um the movie constantine uh 2005 starring keanu reeves mm-hmm. featured tilda swinton as the angel gabriel which was uh you know a choice a choice, like a unique choice, up to you know, up to that point. So, I think she can pretty much play anything. I though. agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if she can play the White Witch, like she can do anything. And Chron- she, she was the ancient one in Doctor Strange, right? She was. Yeah. There we go. There you go. There's a show uh, that's still going on now, as far as I know, that a lot of people like called Lucifer. It's about an angel who falls because he questions God's authority. So there's a lot about what's an angel versus what's a demon in that show. Um, and then two. Well, one really like familiar Christmas movie, but two Christmas movies um, that I think are really good. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Clarence mm. is the guardian angel who hasn't gotten his wings, and then another one is The Preacher's Wife, um, where Denzel Washington plays an angel who's sent to Earth to help heal a marriage and a family. So, so whenever we first started talking about this, like my I, Angels in the Outfield was like such an oh, yeah. awesome movie. Yeah, like those. Those are kind of more silly, funny angels, though. Mm-hmm. Like, they come and they help the outfield, <laughs> like, like actually learn how to play baseball on the California Angels. Right. Um, little on little on the nose, but no, like, that was an awesome movie. And then another one that I thought was really cool, it's The the Prophecy with Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. Like, that one showcases, like, uh, like a second battle of angels in, in heaven and everything that goes on with that. So, like, those are, those are two uh, other two movies that I thought were really cool. Yeah. So all of that to kind of paint the picture before we're like, so what are they actually? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the word angel is derived from the Latin word angelus, which means messenger, translates to messenger. So uh, that's kind of the, the definition um, that you'll find in a lot of places for what an angel is. It's a messenger or an intermediary between God and humanity. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of like, if you think of it as like a structure, God angels us as so god's gonna the angels are kind of like the go-between yeah and you, yeah. you see that a lot in scripture where, where it mentions the angel of the lord right came and said this yes like the messenger the messenger of the lord actually came and told us this yes oftentimes they were sent to deliver a blessing or uh judgment or correction depending mm-hmm. on what the situation was in terms of what did they look like uh there there are a few descriptions you can find in the bible the most detailed one one of the most detailed ones that I thought would be interesting to read was from Ezekiel. And there's some debate here about whether this is an angel or not. Mm-hmm. But um, So I'm going to read it. It's uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, um, starting in verse 4. It says, 
I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being, and on the right side, each had the face of a lion, and on the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreaded out upwards, spreading out upwards, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. So that is not the That's human not male what... looking thing with, with wings and white robes that we saw in the pictures we looked at earlier. It sounds like a very terrifying <laughs> Maybe that like one of the first things that like a lot of the thing uh, the messenger of the Lord says, do not be afraid. Yeah. Like I don't know if they would necessarily be saying that if they weren't aware that their appearance maybe was a little off putting. Right. <laughs> like to somebody that had never seen them before. Yeah. And and like like I said, there are uh, different descriptions that you'll find throughout Scripture, but kind of the thing that the things that are common among them are like. A bunch of eyeballs and a bunch of wings and a bunch of feathers. So we have like we have a couple of pictures that we can put up on the screen to kind of you know imagine if we can what that's like. But yeah. So that's that's the angels. Yeah. For the demons, um, kind of the same thing. There's some pretty cool artwork that goes along along with some of those that that go go back a long way. One of them would be Dante uh, and Virgil by William Adolphe. In my stars, I, I, it it looks French. Um, I'm gonna take a stab at it. <laughs> Bougereau, Adolphe Bougereau. Bougereau. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, All right, let's go with Bougereau. Yeah, that sounds like something that someone from New Orleans would say. Ten like, bucks on Bougereau. I'd like to buy a vowel. No, I'm just kidding. that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a depiction of, of Dante and Virgil going down uh, into Hades. I couldn't really find a a year for that one, but it's it's old. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was very cool. Another one. Would be the nightmare by by Henry Fuseli. That's a it was a, like go, referencing like something that was that's a very common thing like sleep paralysis. It shows this this woman she's asleep and then there's this little this little demonic looking little critter. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know what what to say about that little thing, but it looks like a very frightening little critter um, uh, perched on on her chest just sitting there and then looking at the painting uh looking at the painter like it's it's very creepy so but i mean a lot of those go back to to the 1700s so i mean roughly the same time it looks like the interest in both sides of this thing really really picked up um around there just i wanted to look up some some different theories about where where these things uh came from one was that they're disembodied spirits of a pre-Adamic race, which, you know, that's that's one theory that's out there, that they're another one um, 
would be they're the spirits of the of evil people that had passed, mm-hmm. and that's what they became, kind of like the the Looney Tunes thing. Yeah. Uh, from there, like if you lived a a bad life, then you you became a demon, and then or if you lived a good life, you you became an angel. Yeah. Another one was the offspring of angels and earthly women. That was kind of what we talked about in Giants, like the Nephilim of old, like those. Uh, like they they came down here, they had relations with females, and then those those spirits and those people were were evil, and then that that's the that was the genesis of um, demons. Yeah, Genesis three, I believe it is. Yes. You can read about that. And then so we do get we do get uh, a little bit of an idea of where they came from in Revelations twelve. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. This is uh, three and four. Uh, verses three and four, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten, ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. That's kind of a, like, that's that's kind of where the idea, like, Lucifer fell, but not just him. He took a lot of, a lot of uh, angelic, a, a lot of the angelic coast along with him. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? Yeah. So they try to create distance between you and God. And it seems at some points in the Bible, like they actually took possession of people. And this is from Acts 16. This is a little bit lengthy, but stick with me. So Acts 16, verse 16 through 24. Once, uh, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a, fe- by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized there was no hope that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods, and they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet with socks. And then an awesome thing happened, and they got saved miraculously. That's an awesome story to read in Acts 16. Yeah. In that instance, we saw a demon that was giving its host knowledge that they couldn't otherwise have had. So that's, that's one thing that may happen. Um, King Saul, we re- uh, we talked about in, in uh, David Part One, how you know an evil spirit came and tormented him, and then he needed like help being soothed. And you can read about that in First uh, Samuel sixteen, eighteen, and nineteen. There's instances of that happening. Um, for him, it kind of looked like depression, mood swings, or or bouts of anger. Um, in Mark five, Jesus restores a demon possessed man. Starting in verse six, when Jesus, uh, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he rel- he ran and fell on the knees in front of him. This was a demon-shaped man, mm-hmm. and he shouted at the top of his voice, "What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me." For Jesus has said to him, "Come out of this man, you impure spirit." Then Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" 
My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, uh, herd, about 2,000 in number, uh, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. That demon, like, knew who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Like, knew exactly who he was. Another one that we got here is from Matthew uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 28. Um, when he arrived at the other side of the region in the, the region of Gardenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Again, knew exactly who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Like maybe the final judgment? I don't know, but right. like they, they knew something was going to be coming. There was going to be a showdown between them and Jesus at some point. Uh, and this is, again, some distance from them. A large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank and died. So not all mental health issues are are a sign of demon possession like i don't buy that and i don't think any reasonable person would but some of the things that we can look at as symptoms of that seems to be like depression aggression supernatural strength perhaps the like the ability to know things that you would have had no way of knowing but it's it's important to note that not, that nearly that nearly all if not all of these characteristics may have another explanation yeah. So I, I don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking that what we're saying is every instance of being depressed is a form of demon possession mm -hmm. or, or something like that. Yeah. No, I do think it's interesting it's in the story of Saul specifically, like we, we see some of the things uh, like the depression and the mood swings and things like that. We, we see some of those start to, you know, grow in him before yes. it's ever mentioned that a demon Comes yes. along. So, like so, he was already insecure right, and, yeah. and riddled with anxieties before that even happened. Yeah. So I think it's worth questioning, like, did the demon come along and just prey on what was already happening? Yes. Rather than the demon caused Cause all, all that of that to it. happen. Yeah. Like, I think what it, it just amplifies whatever is already going on. Right. Like, that would be kind of like how I would look at those things. Like, mm -hmm. it sees something that it can exploit. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when we talk about it here in a little bit, like that's why the armor of God is so important right. because there, there we all have weaknesses that can be exploited if we don't, if one, we're not cognizant of them. And then two, know what to do about those weaknesses. And I think, I think like you just said, like a lot of these things, they were already there. The enemy or the evil one or Lucifer, or whatever you want to call him, like he's referenced a lot as the enemy in the Bible. Right. Like the enemy looks at those things and then seeks to just exploit them. And so that's what we're going to dig into here in a second, right after this clip. So how do you get ready for this battle? What exactly are we fighting and, and, and when and does this battle kind of happen? It's all in the text from Ephesians 6. First, let's talk about what we're fighting. To put it bluntly, we're fighting the enemy. And I don't spend a lot of time talking or frankly even thinking about our enemy, but there is one. The Bible occasionally speaks about him, though it also doesn't give lots of attention to him. He goes by different names. Sometimes he's called Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the evil one. Even apart from the Bible though, even, even those of us who might not 
have yet ventured much into the Bible, we, we, just from our experiences alone, we can kind of know that there's a, there's, there has to be an evil force, a, a presence, an active but unseen resistance to all things good. But, but the Bible does help us to see how the devil, how evil has been working throughout history. Isaiah talked about this when he said, how you have fallen from heaven, you've been cast down to the earth, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I'll ascend above the tops of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. See, Satan ruined paradise for our oldest ancestors, and he marred humanity forever after. Satan tormented King Saul and he created riots against King David. He's most famous for ruining Job's life just to see if he could get Job to curse God. Satan is seen throughout the Bible by prophets like Zechariah and Ezekiel. Satan even tempted Jesus in the wilderness and he possesses people along the Jesus story that we read. The Bible tells us that Satan actually entered Judas Iscariot and filled the heart of Ananias and blocked Paul's journey in Romans. Over and over, we read about his activity. He was there in the first garden. He was there in the garden when Jesus prayed, begged God to be spared of torture. Peter, a famous follower of Jesus, one time said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That someone could be you if you're not protected because the enemy has an ultimate goal and the ultimate goal of the enemy is to create distance between you and God to create distance between you and God this happens in all kinds of ways it happens when we spend less time with God so if you think about it busyness is a tool that the enemy uses that's certainly true for me distance is also created when you do things you know you shouldn't do or don't do things that you know you should. In fact, there's this cycle that becomes evident for a lot of people. I've seen it happen so many times. It goes like this. She does something that's wrong, and she feels guilty about it. So coming to church, well, that shines a light on what's good and right, so she stays away. And because of that, she isn't surrounded by the encouragement and the camaraderie of being around other people who are also in this fight together. And she also stays away from her small group. The distance she feels creates a sense of failure and isolation and loneliness. So then she turns to the things she did in the first place to find comfort. And that cycle spins faster and faster and the distance grows farther and farther. God never left, but she did. And in the process, she lost the battle and the enemy won. But you can do something about this. I mean, Paul tells us, he says, listen, our battle, this battle we fight, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces of evil. In other words, this fight is a spiritual fight, not a physical one. And many folks, what they do, what we in a flawed way do is we adopt an earthly human approach to a spiritual battle, a physical approach to a spiritual battle, which is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Because if you fight, if you fight a spiritual battle with a physical approach, 
you will lose every time. They require different tools. So this is the first rule of spiritual warfare. You have to prepare differently. So what he, what he said there, we have to prepare differently. And, and Paul gives us that, that outline of how we prepare in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, where, we, where he talks about the armor of God. And we read it here uh, starting in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I think I think what he said there, after you have like like uh after you've done everything to stand, like this is get ready. So that way what you're ready whenever feelings or doubt or insecurity comes into play you're ready to for whatever the enemy might throw at you whether it's busyness or uh, maybe a temptation that you're particularly prone to that comes your way or for me it just like that negative critic mm-hmm. you know like you need to you need to have your mindset so that that for me like those are the things that jump out whenever I revisit this uh, particular text mm-hmm. what about you yeah, no, I agree. I think what stands out to me is that almost all of the weapons, the weapons, the components of the armor are defensive, mm-hmm. which, you know, just indicates to me, like, attacks are coming, enemies are coming, and we have to be prepared. We have to have our defenses ready for when those times come, which is all the time. <clears throat> so I think the the point about busyness is a tool that the enemy uses. You know, I know that was just kind of one example he was pulling out, but I think it ties back to what we were talking about at the beginning about spiritual attacks, because, you know, that's, that can be a test of where you're going to stand. Yeah. Where, what are you going to put your, like, what are you going to plant your feet on? And where your priority is. Right. Yeah. When you're super busy, you can, you know, you can lean into stuff that's going to make it easier for you. That is not, the right stuff like mm-hmm. to put it just speak frankly on it um or you can you know lean into the spirit of god and know that he's gonna walk with you through it so i think that's just one example but i thought that was a really interesting point and then i think because we're talking about demons and the devil and spiritual attacks uh i think it's important to talk about hell like yep. we don't do a lot of we don't do a lot of that around here but i think with this conversation it's important and i think something that brian said defines it really well it's quite simply distance from god yeah so and i mean and that and you're either going to spend eternity with him or you're going to spend eternity separate separate from him and one of the things that he mentioned there was that was that kind of shame cycle mm-hmm. that that he described there where somebody does something bad they feel unworthy they don't want to go to they don't want to go to some place where it might particularly be called out and even if it's going to be called out in a healthy way and then that creates a little bit of distance. And then what do they do to go back and, and soothe those feelings right back to the thing that they did that was wrong in the first place? Right. I thought that was a, a really good uh, look at how that about how that shame cycle and that and that inner monologue can cause you to. I'm not going to go. I don't want to hear it. I already know how bad I, bad I am. I don't need nobody else to tell me. So what am I going to go do? Yeah. Do the thing that you felt bad about in the first place because you're just looking for that for that little bit of peace that 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 moment's going to get you 
even though it's going to lead it, you right back into that cycle. Right. I thought that was something. I thought that was a really good uh, example of how that works in a in a small scale. But you can see it play out all over the place. It's pick your vice, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that that gets you that little dopamine hit in your brain. You're you're going to find it and you're going to chase it. Mm-hmm. And and so, I I like I said, I just thought that was something worth looking at. Yeah, no, I I really liked the point of you can't adopt a physical approach to a spiritual battle. Yes. So I think. Take take the example of busyness. Like, if you're in a season where you're really busy with work or with your kids or the combination of all the things, mm-hmm. you can be like, well, you know, I just need to work harder. I just need to push myself that little bit more. Um, you know, or you again, you can lean into the spirit of God and know that that it's going to be with you and He's going to lead you through it. The temptation is a lot of the time, you know, regardless of what it is, it's just, oh, I'm just going to put my head down and I can I can do it. I can just yeah. get through this on my own strength. And I think, you know, what this is telling us is, no, we really can't. And not only that, but we shouldn't. No, so. And one of the things that whenever you do feel yourself, because, like, I'm currently in a in a busy season. Like, I've sure. got two kids in two separate sports or in one sport, but on two separate teams, I'm and you're going nonstop. So what a, like we do a family devotional type like the three of us we got a Bible plan on our phones with the U version thing we hit that in the morning and then but before after I drop them off and I go and I get my day started I spend that fifteen minutes in the car in the quiet talking with God yeah and and just getting getting myself ready for everything that's coming yeah. because if you're going to, you're going to get that that self motivation that pump somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to get it at? Are you yep. going to take those 15 minutes, those five minutes, those 10 minutes? Be like, God, here we are. This is what I'm facing. And then have an inner dialogue with him all day. Or are you going to have a dialogue with your inner inner critic all day? Right. Like, That's where I have to go. Yeah. No, I, I'm in a busy season as well. Uh, <laughs> I obviously don't have any kids. But when I first started working here for the first three years or so, I just wore one hat. And now I wear three different hats. Yes. <laughs> and so it's... Uh, some culture shock to go from one to three and it feels like you know I'm just kind of spinning plates and something is constantly happening so I have to be really intentional about setting aside time where I'm gonna mm-hmm. disconnect from all of it and spend some time with God because the temptation is really there to be like because there's always something to do so the temptation yes. is there to just like, I just gotta keep going keep going keep going don't slow down so and the, and the one thing that I do want to take note of like all of that we got all of the, we got the armor, we got, we got the breastplate, we got the belt, we got the shoes, we got the shield, we got the helmet. And then, but we do have the sword of the spirit. And that's, that's the, that's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's our, that's our scripture. Like, I mean, Jesus used that when, it, I mean, look at, look at what he said. Like he responded to everything that Satan tempted him with in the wilderness with scripture. Like he had it. He, he was steeped in it. Even if it's just 10 minutes I mean, you can go on version and it'll hit play and it will read it to you. I mean, there's James Earl Jones reading the Bible. Like I, the voice of Darth Vader will yeah. hit you with the word of God. Like I saw it up at the library. It was like a 50 cassette tape. <laughs> like it was, I should have bought it, but I don't have anything to play it on. But it was on the little friends of the library shelf. Yeah. Like James Earl Jones reading the Bible. I'm sure it's on digital somewhere. I hope so. I'm, I'm probably going to check that out now. But there's ways that you can stay connected with God and just and and let and keep yourself steeped in the word so that way whenever you do need it it's there like mm-hmm. and i found that to be extremely helpful like the more that i take it in 
it just, you know, you might not need it now, but it, it digs in deep into your subconscious and whenever you do need it, it's there. Yeah. I think if, if maybe you're watching or listening and you're wondering, well, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I spend time with God? If I've never done that before, where do I start? I think the Bible is a great place to yes. start. And I think specifically you mentioned the Bible app when I, so well, you're, we already did an episode on misconceptions, but a misconception I had was that to read the Bible, you had to be in the same space in the same time every single day, and you had to be burning candles and, you know, all that yeah. stuff. No, like, there's a million different ways to do it, including right here on this, mm-hmm. in your car, or while you're getting ready in the morning, or whatever. And again, it's 10 minutes, it's built in. I'm glad you circled back to that point, because the... Uh, I mentioned almost all of the components of the armor are defensive. The only one that's offensive is the, the sword is this right here. Yes. So I thought this was a good conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed this. All right. Last takeaway. What do you got? I just reinforced the point that you have, I think we have to be able to differentiate between a physical battle and a spiritual one. We have to yes. identify this is a spiritual battle, spiritual attack, whatever you want to call it. And you have to be really intentional about how you're going to prepare for that attack. Because the thing we know is that it's coming. Yes. Um, and what are the things I'm going to put in place? What are the steps I'm going to take? So I'm always ready for when that comes. For me, it would probably just to reiterate, reiterate the point that not all depression and anxieties or anger moods or mood swings or bouts of anger are a sign of demonic possession. Yeah. What, what they can be is something that could be exploited that can cause dis that can create distance between you and God. And if you do feel depression or anxiety, it's okay to go talk to somebody and take medicine if you need it. Yeah. Like I had to. I don't feel any shame about it and I'll and I would tell that to everybody. Like if you need medicine, it's okay, go take medicine. Yeah. The other one would be I don't I mean angels and demons and a supernatural battle and all of these things going on. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know really what to do with it. I, I know that it's going on. But no matter what it is we're going through, I do know this, that we have access to power that's outside of this realm that can be used to help us get through or endure or face or conquer whatever it is that we may be facing. It's available to me and it's available to you. And that's really where it kind of dials in and settles for me. Yeah, well said. All right. So... This was a good one. I say uh, leave us a review on it. We'll get you a after chat mug. We've also got some shirts. We'd love to see you guys get a shirt and put a picture of yourself wearing said shirt in our Facebook group. And we'll see you back here next week for another episode of the after chat. Thanks for joining us for the after chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.